The Bulls have three seconds to try a shot and try to win the game. This is the Notebook Wagering Podcast. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Coming to you from the betting deck. Don't believe what I just saw. Here are your hosts. Hey, everybody. What's going on? It's the boys here at Notebook Wagering. Uh, this is at If You Follow Matt. We got at Smitty Bucks and at Notebook Wagering JCam. We also have a special guest we're going to uh, introduce here in a minute. We're just going to roundtable a little bit. Sorry, I've been MIA. A lot of uh, holiday stuff, a lot of work stuff. Smitty JCam, you guys just want to do a little quick fire off here in the beginning? Yes, certainly. Uh, Here we go with college football. That's the topic for tonight. Basically, this is the weekend that has replaced what used to be New Year's Day. (laughs) You got games that went after another and good matchups. I'm looking forward to it because you got some really nice games here. Some teams that were kind of surprises to get there. So you're going to have some interesting betting lines, and I'm sure we'll talk about that later. I'm in the best mood of my life. What Michigan did last Saturday just made my – I can't even put it into words. It was great to watch it finally. They put a whipping on them. I loved every second of it. Now, let's finish it off Saturday against Iowa. That's all. I can't wait. I'm so pumped for Saturday night. Sweet. So we can parlay that perfectly into our guests. So we have special guests tonight. We have the manager of the race and sports book at the MGM Beau Rivage in Biloxi, Mississippi. We have the one and only Carl Johnson a.k.a. Jick Jack Johnson. Now, before, Carl, before you jump on, I'm going to say how I found you. So I listen a lot to VEASAN, and you do Saturday mornings with the Lombardi line, and you are exuberant, excited, genuine. You're, you're down to earth, and you have that Southern charm. I love it. You're a great follow on Twitter. Like I said, it's at Jick Jack Johnson. Carl, give us a go. Let us know what's going on. Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, yeah, good to be here. Uh, yeah, look, uh, uh, you know, what you see is what you get with me. Uh, you know, I, I run the book over there, and we do our little Saturday gig with uh, with Michael and Patrick. Uh, I had a blast with that this year. Those guys are so knowledgeable. Uh, you know, I'm trying to learn about this stuff. You know, I've always been a, a backroom guy, you know, run away from the cameras and the the audio and stuff like that. I don't, uh, personally, I really don't get into it, but I've kind of lightened up on that here this past year, uh, just cause I've had so much fun with it, you know? Uh, but yes, yeah, you know, it's an exciting time. Uh, uh, I mean, this is the best of college football and we're ready to go, man. So I heard a rumor. I heard you as well want to start a podcast maybe in a year or so. I am. I'm going to put together a podcast. I'm going to do it right. Uh, yeah, we're working on that right now. As a matter of fact, some artwork, uh, you know, getting some uh, some other stuff in line. Uh, probably going to do a little weekly show. N- you know, nothing uh, nothing too exuberant, but uh, you know, the main thing I, for me, you know, the since I'm around sports all day long, every day, you know, I kind of like to get away from it every now and then. So uh, I'm going to team up with uh, uh, one of Michael's, well, actually Michael's best friend, Bill Berman. 
uh, we're going to team up together and we're going to do a, like a little coast to coast thing and talk about uh, sports, food, movies, whatever we feel like talking about. So I know you're a big food guy. Uh, I'm not sure if these two listen to you quite as much as I do. So there's a big dilemma going on on the Internet uh, with some NFL guys. Is mac and cheese an acceptable Thanksgiving side dish? <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, I've uh, you know, I grew up in an Italian family. I mean, my mom's full blooded Italian. My, my dad was Cajun, French and Irish. So I'm a you know, I'm a half breed. But uh, yeah, we you know, absolutely. Mac and cheese is good anytime, man. <laughs> well, Matthew Judon of the Patriots would uh, think otherwise. So, yeah, I heard that. I, I heard that. <laughs> so, how was your liability this past weekend with all the big college games that went down? Yeah, you know, uh, uh, our, our liability uh, this year has been, you know, it's pretty high. Um, we've had an active year. Uh, we've had a good year, and I'll, I'll tell you this right now: uh, we haven't had a losing. Friday through Monday night football season at my place this season. Uh, you know, and, and think about that because there's been a couple of weeks where, you know, the public just, uh, you know, absolutely killed it at other places. And we were able to pull out wins. I mean, we have, you know, we have a few key players in there that, uh, that you know, in those situations got us over the hump. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty impressive. I mean, we have not had a losing Friday through Monday night this year. That's actually really impressive. Yeah. Minnie, you guys, uh, you or J.K.M. have any questions for Carl real quick? No, I just think they uh, – so I think your job is fascinating to me as a guy on the outside. Just because what do you see on a given weekend? Like, so I think the biggest question I have for someone who owns a book is can you identify Sharps? Or is everyone on sharp lookout? You always hear that term thrown around. What really is a sharp? Yeah, yeah, you you can, you know, it, you can spot a sharp in two seconds. I mean, you, you can actually spot a sharp guy with the way he, he handles his money, his chips, uh, even before he, you know, says who he's going to bet. So what, what a sharp guy does is they play the steam. You know, they're steam players. They're, they're not gambling. They're, what they're doing is they're playing the, the, the line moves, you know, for the weekend, but they're, they're hitting them Monday mornings when the lines come out. Um, they're hitting them Tuesdays, um, you know, and then they'll, what they do is they'll have a little morning rush. And the thing about steam players, steam players have to create volume to be successful. Uh, a steam player is equivalent to a card counter in blackjack. So, you know, just they're, they're not doing anything wrong. It's just that if they can create the volume, they can beat you. You know, a steam player, if he can make, uh, I don't know, 12, 13% for the season, he's done really well. So if they can create the volume and get enough plays in where they're getting the best of the number, uh, yeah, they can beat you. So they're they're That's why we watch them so close. Carl, with, with the Heisman coming up and a lot of people, you know, it usually goes to an offensive player and a lot of people were looking at the, the quarterbacks that were in this with uh, the Ohio state kid and the Alabama kid. But now with, 
with the performance last week, a lot of people are starting to jump on maybe saying a defensive player could get that. Have you seen anything at your book with maybe some people jumping on Hutchinson? I know Tim Murray, I think on VEASAN posted the other night, I think he said he took a shot with him winning the Heisman. Have you seen any action on, on that? No, not so much at my book, but it's something that we talked about, I don't know, two, three, four weeks ago. Uh, you know, when you when you, we was looking at the odds for the Heisman, you know, as good as Georgia's defense. This was probably the best defensive unit that I've seen in college football in a long, long, long time. It, it may be ever. Uh, but just the fact that they don't have what you call uh, stars, they don't have any stars on that team. They're just all real good team players. You know, not, I, I thought, I said, you know, boy, this would be – because the, this year, the way this year has kind of went, you know, like you say – Generally, it's an offensive category, offensive person that's going to win it. This is a perfect, perfect year for a defensive person to win it, uh, you know, because the offense, the quarterbacks have just been, you know, so uh, up and up and down. Uh, and to my surprise, you know, I, I started looking at the stuff. You know, I don't I don't look at the at a whole lot of the Heisman stuff. Uh, uh, I'm starting to now, but uh, I, I looked then and I said, you know what? There's no, there's no Georgia defensive people on this list. Uh, you know, anything, you know, but, but uh, yeah, I, I just, uh, I wondered that. And uh, this would be an absolutely perfect year for a defensive player to win it. It's funny you actually said that, Carl. So uh, I, I mean, we all know how good Georgia's defense is. I heard tonight that an NFL scout, somebody brought it up to him. Hey, I believe that four guys from the Georgia defense could probably go first round. And the scout said, absolutely not. He said, they are a really good team unit and with nobody really outstanding over the rest, except for the big D-line kid. He said he's probably going to go right out the gate. But, they, they, but yeah, they're, they're just like, these guys are good, but they're not elite talent defensively. Well, you know, that, and that just goes to show you right there what, what uh, you know, a group of guys can do if they just band together and play, I mean, they, they have, you know, there, there's all, albeit there's no superstars in our, you know, that we claim them to be superstars, but those guys, I mean, as a unit, I mean, that, that may, may be the best college football defense I've ever seen. I mean, they, you know, I've given up 83 points this year, 83, uh, you know, and I think they're at, at, at less than a hundred or right at a hundred first downs for the year. I mean, come on. That's pretty impressive. Very. So you have your your uh, finger all over the pulse down in the south. You're a huge SEC guy. How shocked were you at the hiring of Brian Kelly going to LSU? Yeah, pretty shocked. Uh, you know, I, I have some really good friends that are real. Uh, they're in the right place to find out things. I'll just say that. Um, in that Tiger Athletic Foundation, and uh, his name was—he was a play, he's a Plan C. This was a Plan C move. Um, you know, I know I know for a fact they offered Brady. Uh, Brady wants to stay in the NFL, um, and you know, uh, you know, with Lincoln, Lincoln did the rug pull. I, from what I understand, he he got upset because the information leaked from Woodward. Um, and then, you know, it, I don't know if you guys heard, but 
the LSU players actually started following Lincoln on Twitter. And uh, that's what he was upset about. And he just said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gone. I'm out. Uh, so I, I think this was, uh, I think this is plan C all the way. And I'm not mistaken. I haven't researched this, but I want to say, and I'm going to, I'm going to research it if I have time. I want to say when LSU got ready to hire uh, Les's job, when, when, when Les came in, when they hired Les, I want to say that his name was mentioned for that at that time. I'm not positive, but uh, something in the back of my head tells me that he was trying to get that job then. So, yeah, it, it, it's, uh, you know, it, it, look, he, he may be good for, for LSU, but, uh, you know, uh, Notre Dame hadn't won a championship since 1988, uh, either 88 or 89. So, I mean, you know, he's the winningest college football coach in the history of Notre Dame. Uh, so, yeah, that, that was a shocker to me. Matt, uh, this so I think it was, I think it was yesterday. I was listening to Follow the Money on Veasan, and that was like Carl said. That kind of came out of nowhere because they said an assistant coach was supposedly in a player's house and was recruiting him for Notre Dame, and was kind of doing the spiel and everything, and took like two steps out of the house, and then his phone blew up. And he said he could not believe what he read. And it said Brian Kelly to that. And he did not even know. And he said, I think the quote was, I was like, I felt like a blank and a-hole. Yeah. He said to the family (laughs) and everything. And I now just came out of the house. And this, I just found that out. So, I mean, it's been, it's been remarkable. I think with these coaches of, you know, you're seeing some of that with uh, Riley going out the one defensive player came out yesterday and said he already made a comment about what USC is going to be. And he goes, ah, oh, it's amazing because he just told us that a week ago. Like it's amazing yeah. how these guys bail. <laughs> yeah. And, and look at, look at the money. The look, look, you know, when one of them, uh, you know, when the carousel first starts, uh, look at the money that's been created uh, with, with these guys, you know, the four or five guys that are, that are moving around right now. I mean, these guys are getting 10 year deals, you know, hundred and over a hundred million dollars. I mean, this is unbelievable. I mean, they're, they're, they're making more money. To, they're going to make more money than what Saban's making at Alabama right now. Now I'm sure Alabama's going to adjust, but <laughs> yeah. you know, Saban is the best coach in college football period. And none of those guys should be making more than him. Whatsoever. Like you see the terms of these deals and it's almost like they wrote a number on a piece of paper and said, this is what it would take. And someone said, okay. And it happened like a couple of times. And like you mentioned, yeah. it started with Mel Tucker, Michigan state got a huge 10 year offer for all that money. James Franklin at Penn state stayed on for 10 years, a little less money, but still a lot. And then it seemed like that just got everything rolling. That kind of sent the benchmark and then everything just grew off of there and guys started putting numbers on paper and school started saying, yep, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did you guys, i tell you what, if you guys haven't already done it, uh, you guys, when you get a chance, take a look at Harbaugh's contract edition. Uh, I couldn't believe it when I started looking at it. Harbaugh's base salary at Michigan is $600,000. $600,000. Coach O's base salary at LSU was almost $9 million. Harbaugh's 
base salary is six hundred thousand dollars, and he has like four and a half to five million built in, in incentives. And I like that contract from a from a, a school side of it. You know, for the coach, you know, they want the hundred and twenty million or whatever they get. But from the business side of it, I like contract structure like that. I wish they would start doing it for some of these pro players and, and baseball players too. But take a look. The Harbaugh's contract and tell me what you think when you, when you get a chance. Uh, you know, if, for example, if he goes to uh, uh, the championship game, if he wins the, the conference, he gets uh, a million. If he goes to a, a bowl game, he, he gets a million. So it's all structured to, to you know, results, and I like that a lot. Yeah, and that great story came out, uh, I think, yesterday about how a lot of those bonuses he's actually going to give back to the school to pay back people who had to take pay cuts during uh, the restrictions in the last two years. So can't really rip on Harbaugh, even as a Penn State guy. I mean, I know know Michigan is on top of the world right now, but that's a pretty nice gesture by him. Yeah, he's he's a big-time hated guy in the public eye for anybody outside of really a Michigan fan. That'll that'll up his credibility a lot. That's That's a great, that's a classy move. Yes, it is. All right, Carl. Well, we might as well jump right into a couple games here while we have you on the line. And we might as well stick in the SEC and go right to the big one out of the gate. So we have the number one Georgia Bulldogs in the SEC title game going against number three, Bama. 12-0 versus 11-1. We threw out some numbers here earlier about how good the defense is. Our, uh, the number I have is over under 49 and a half. And I have Bama getting six and a half. And I pulled up two stats earlier. So this is the first time all year. Georgia's not going to be a double-digit favorite, and this is the first time all year Bama's going to be an underdog. So I'm going to let you give us a little breakdown and what you think, and is this number correct and what you're seeing at the books? Yeah, so we're at uh, right now we're at six and a half and forty-nine and a half. Um, not only is uh, 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 this is the first time Bama's been an underdog in ninety-two games, go back to two thousand and fifteen. Um, so, uh, this is one of those few times, you know, you, you know, when, when on my side of the counter, I always need the bad teams to do good. You know, I, I mean, you know, I, I, that's just the way it is. Uh, but this is, this is one time on my side of the counter. I'm, you know, I actually get to pull for Alabama. We're going to need Alabama pretty good here. And, uh, <clears throat> I'll be honest with you. I, I don't think this number is anywhere close to being done yet. Um, you know, I, I think we're going to get so, you know, we, we would like to probably keep this number about where it's at, but I think we're going to get so much money on Georgia and also a first, the first half. Uh, I think this number will probably at one time, it'll probably get over the seven. Uh, and then we'll probably see some buyback on Alabama. Uh, so, yeah, so this, you know, this is Bama's, you know, and look, Saban is my favorite coach of all time. Yeah, he's the best coach. But this is Bama's worst top four team they've ever had. Uh, I do believe that they are a little bit overrated. Uh, uh, Michael had, had texted me the other night. I was watching the Auburn-Alabama game, and, you know, he texted me. He says, this team is overrated. And I, I think he's exactly right. I think they are a little bit overrated. Uh, so, yeah, this is going to be interesting. You know, they're uh, Georgia 12-0, and 8-4 against the spread. Bama 6-6 six and six against the spread this year. So this is one time where we're going to need Alabama and we can pull for them behind the counter. Before these two chime in, I know one thing. If I see this number get to seven or seven and a half, I'm going to jump on Alabama in a heartbeat. I'm just waiting. 
I've been trying to get my plays in earlier in the week, and I just didn't like this line. But if I can find a seven or a seven and a half would be amazing. I'll I'll jump in on that quick. Yeah, I, you know I don't know if it'll get to seven and a half, uh, but see that's you know that's kind of one of the ways where we create. You know, if we can get it to seven, we know that we're going to get buyback on Alabama. Uh, and then what happens is we're just basically not we're, we're pulling for a a, a a game that does not end in seven points. That's what we're hoping for. Yeah. So, I mean, this is interesting because I do think Alabama is the most dangerous team they've played this year, even though Alabama is not where they've been. I mean, you know, as good as the Georgia defense has been, you know, the best offenses. I mean, SEC just hasn't like they haven't really faced them. Right. Um and you look at Bama's defense, and outside of getting run on by Florida, the run D has been pretty good. Um, they've gotten gashed a little bit in the passing game. I mean, obviously, it's pretty obvious their offensive line isn't where it usually is. They've lost a lot of guys over the last couple of years. So um, it will be interesting. I, you know, we've talked on this show a bunch about what happens if Georgia gets down. And uh, that's really Alabama's one way here. They got to get out quick, and they got to get points on top of Georgia and kind of play from ahead, kind of like Michigan did against Ohio State. Um, because – this game turns into a slugfest. They're just that offense is going to get just more and more bogged down, and that defensive line is going to take control of that offensive line. What do you think, Smitty? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with what Matt said. I I love. I mean, Georgia's one of my favorite teams. Um, I've been pulling for them all year. It's great to see what they're doing. I kind of like Bama though in this, and I I agree with Matt. I kind of would be sitting there to see if you could get it at seven. I'm kind of looking at the points though. You know, Carl said I think they have it at 49 and a half. I'm seeing 50 right now. You know, I'm more of a player sometimes taking the under, maybe looking at the first half of just some, you know, jitters a little bit, maybe uh, slowing it down slightly, not trying to make mistakes. You know, I agree. I think Alabama's offense line, how how are they going to handle this Georgia D line? Are they going to be, and I think Georgia too could try to just kind of run the ball and see if they can kind of pop them in the mouth and control the ball. I'd maybe kind of keep an eye on that first half under, if you like the under, just the second half can get a little bit sometimes crazy. If you like that, I kind of lean first half under. Yeah. yeah. I'm really, sorry, go ahead, go ahead, Carl, sorry. Yeah, I know what I was going to say was I, you know, I, uh, earlier today, I, uh, I checked the split, our splits on this game. So Georgia's getting 78% of the tickets wrote and 88% of the money. Uh, you know, Alabama's getting 22, well, 20% of the tickets wrote uh, and about, you know, 13, 14% of the money right now. So, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's pretty high right now. I, I think this line's got to go up a little bit. Um, and we'll, we'll probably experience some buyback on the other side. Are you allowed? Are you allowed to wear an Alabama jersey in the book on Saturday, or will people <laughs> literally try to come over the counter at you? Yeah, no. Uh, look, look. That's one thing about our place. You know, our our place. You know, I've, I've, I'm going to have you know half Georgia and half Alabama people. I mean, I'm right in the middle of all these states. Uh, so, I mean, we get a we get a real good mix of everything, really. I can't say I've been to your place yet. My parents have. My parents are big gamblers. I'm actually going to a casino this weekend, so I'll be sitting in a sports book myself. But I will get down there eventually. I need to get down south and check it all out. Yeah, you guys, yeah, you need to. It's a great place, beautiful place. Uh, you, you get the sense the, when you're walking into place, the decor is just like it is um, at Bellagio. Uh, you get the sense that that's 
you're at. Yeah. All right, let's jump into another game. We'll go uh, go up north. We'll hit the big uh, Big Ten where we have number two Michigan, eleven and one, facing the number thirteen Iowa Hawkeyes, ten and two. Uh, Vegas over under forty three and a half, and Iowa is catching eleven. I've seen this line dip to ten and a half and back up to eleven again. Everybody that I have heard, listened to, follow is jumping on Iowa, and I guess. I don't really see it yet. Maybe I'm blind to this. I think it sure everybody said Michigan's going to blow their wad after last weekend with the huge win finally over Ohio State. But I think they're just going to steamroll these guys. And here's why I think they're going to. I think if Georgia does slip up somehow and Bama beats them and Michigan steamrolls Iowa, I think Michigan can actually grab the top spot in the final four with an impressive win here. They might not even need an impressive win if that scenario happens. Carl, what are you seeing down at the book for the action on this game? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, not not a whole lot right now. I mean, we, we opened it at 10.5.45, and right now we're at 10.5.43.5. Um, so they played the under a little bit in this game, and, and I actually like the under here a little bit. Um, look, I like Michigan. Um, I think this is Harbaugh's best team that he's had. Uh, you know, they play, uh, they play a physical brand of football. Um, you know, they moved up from the, the fifth slot last week to number two, uh, a big win, you know, I mean, look, they, they didn't just beat Ohio state. I mean, they handled, them. uh, you know, a little 42, 27. And, you know, I don't think they were ever in doubt of, of losing that game surprisingly enough. Uh, let me see what the splits are on this game right now. So, um, I think I did this at like one or two o'clock this afternoon. So it looks like, uh, uh Michigan was getting, uh, about 60% of the bets and about 60% of the money, uh, on the point spread. Now the total, uh, it looks that's why that total was moved a little bit. So on the total, the over was getting 64% of the tickets written and 74% of the money. Uh, Yeah. Uh, so, hmm. yeah, that's interesting. I, I like the under here. I, I like the under a lot. Yeah. I, you know, looking at this game, I don't know what people see with Iowa with the 11, because that was a pretty bad football team at the time, especially on offense against a good defense like Michigan. Um, you know, Iowa kind of dodged everyone out of the East with the exception of Penn state who they got beat by a half. And then, you know, obviously when Clifford went out, the game changed dramatically. So, you know, Iowa didn't see Ohio state. They didn't even see Michigan state. Um, they kind of got just stuck in the West there with all those bad offenses and decent defenses. Um, so it, it had to be a heck of a game by fairness to pull this out. I, I agree. Michigan may come out a little flat, but you know, Iowa just doesn't have a whole lot to beat them with. I, I really, other than knocking out their quarterback, which seems to be their MO this year, that's really all they have going for them. I think the key, yeah. the, the, the two ends for Michigan, you know, the, the Iowa quarterback statue, he can't really move. I think, you know, they're going to get to him a lot. I just think this, you know, I said jokingly what about a week ago on the show, I said, watch Michigan beat Ohio state and look great and then blow this game and will ruin it for me. But I just think overall, this is just a different mindset of this Michigan team. I think it's team, team, team. Uh, the two running backs are just, are just superstars, I think. And the offensive line, I think, you know, I heard too, I think they said John Madden wrote uh, 
called Harbaugh or text him and said it was the best offensive line job that he's ever seen in a game ever. That's pretty remarkable to say that. And, and it was though, I mean, they just, they took it to them. I mean, Ohio state just couldn't, they knew the run was coming and they could not stop it. So if they continue to do that, I think Michigan wears down Iowa. I think they'll cover the 10 and a half or the 11. I would go Michigan in this game. All right, let's go. uh, Since we're covering basically the final four and the teams that are in play for this, let's jump to the big 12. Saturday noon game early number nine Baylor 10 and two faces Oklahoma State number five 11 and one Vegas over under line is 46 and a half and Oklahoma State's laying five and a half these teams played earlier in the year and it was a just a knock a rock'em sock'em robot type game Oklahoma State won 24-14 and actually held Baylor to 285 total yards behind Georgia this Oklahoma State defense is probably number two overall like on paper wise in the country their linebackers fly around and really really make a lot of tackles i think Baylor's going to struggle to actually run the ball uh bohannon didn't have a good game against him last time i can't see him having a great game this time i believe the game's in dallas i think it should be probably be a, be a 50 50 split crowd wise so i don't see any advantage there carl what do you have for this one yeah so uh, we are we're at we're at five and a half 46 and a half uh, yeah, Baylor, uh, uh, you know, I like Dave Aranda at Baylor. I like him defensively. And when I, when this game first came out, um, I looked at it, uh, well, I seen the, when I first seen the number on it was uh, Sunday night, I think I was sitting in my office and, uh, when it, when this line first come out, we hadn't released it to the public yet, but my first instinct was I loved the under in this game. And I, I still do. And I, and typically what I like to do when I'm, you know, going through my process of what I like, what I don't like is I like to actually wait later. I like to watch, see how the betting patterns go. Um, you know, I'm a, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't, I didn't come up this way, but this business made me a contrarian, uh, you know, just, just from what I've seen over the years. So, uh, I like, uh, I like the under in this game a whole lot. Uh, I think uh, both of these defenses are, 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 playing pretty good right now and and I agree with you a thousand percent I like I like Oklahoma State uh, uh, you know defensively and offensively they, they seem to be really well rounded uh, they're nine and two against the spread this year uh, coming off a big win at Oklahoma 37 33 uh, you know I like my man Aranda but I don't I don't know if he can keep up with Oklahoma State in this game. Yeah, it is interesting. Like you look and, you know, neither of these offenses are really great. Uh, the defenses have carried them, which is saying that in a big 12 game is almost insane. If you'd have thought that a couple of years ago, like uh, this final score of this game would be usually a halftime score uh, back then. Um, that's kind of a theme for all these games. Defenses really came uh, to fruition this year everywhere. I mean, even when you look at both quarterbacks, there's not a really a standout either way. Like, I think you could take or leave it. And so this is, I think, going to be a rock fight. This is going to be a low scoring and it's unfortunately probably going to come down to who makes the biggest mistake um, when this game. So, yeah, I definitely like the under here. I would probably take Bayo with the points because I think points are going to be at a premium. 
I think, yeah, I mean, I agree with what Carl said. You said, J-Cam, I think this is a very tough game. Like Matt said, 24-14 in early October. I think it's a low-scoring game. I do like Oklahoma State, though. I would take – I would I'd roll it with Oklahoma State. I think the offense will have enough, and the defense is just that good. Carl, just so you know, uh, Todd Smitty here is uh, – he's our teaser king. This kid loves to pile up teasers – like no other. You'd love him in your book. He'd be in there all day with te- a pile of teasers. Yeah, what well, I, I, you know, I, I look, one of the things that, I, to be honest, in the, a month and a half, two months ago, I didn't know, I didn't know a whole lot about Twitter, but I've kind of learned it. And I, and I do see, uh, I don't know which one of you guys it is, but I, I do see y'all's teasers come across. Look, and I'm going to tell you this, late in the season for college and, and especially pro football, that is that's the plays to make because yeah uh, I, I can tell you on the pro side of on on the the pro football in particular uh, you know those lines get real tight and it's it's perfect teaser opportunity yeah yeah I mean I'm more I mean I do it in college I know a lot of people frown on that in college uh, Carl I, I I love doing it in the NFL uh, especially this year taking some um, some of the road, uh, you know, the dogs in some of these games up and the dogs have been really covering. I've been really, my favorite thing now is like keeping an eye on the, the totals in the NFL, 45 points or below and teasing them up and taking the under. And that's been doing ex- extremely well uh, the last couple of weeks for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a good way to bet, especially late in the season. Absolutely. We love to tease him though, but he is, he's the teaser king. You'll see him on Twitter <laughs> all the time. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's hit the last game and then we'll let you get out of here, but we're going to make you do a final four pick before you go. So let's touch on uh, the AA championship. It's uh, Houston, number 21, 11 and one facing Cincinnati Bearcats, number four, 12 and 0 Vegas over unders 53. And I have a line at minus 10 and a half Cincinnati. Uh, this is actually going to be, a, a fun game. I think I actually bet the over earlier in the week. I can't, I don't remember the name I grabbed it at or the number I grabbed it. at. I want to say 52, but I see 53. Now I think they're going to shoot it out. I think since he's going to win, I don't know if they're going to cover the 10 and a half. I think this will be the most exciting game of the day. Uh, what's your book seeing on this Carl? Yeah. So uh, yeah, we opened it at 10 and a half and 50. And right now we're at 10 and a half and 52 and a half. So, uh, yeah, Houston 11-1, 7-5 against the spread. Cincinnati 12-0 and 7-5 against the spread also. So, uh, this is a big game. I mean, Cincinnati's got a, got a chance right here uh, to stay in that top four and get a spot into that playoff. Uh, it's an interesting uh, thing that I, when I was doing a little research on this game earlier, you know, uh, most of these conference championships and stuff like that are – at neutral sites, this is going to be played at Cincinnati's home field. So where they won 26 straight. Um, so that's a, that's going to be a huge advantage in this, in this football game. And I'm, I'm a little surprised that they play this game at, at, at you know, at, at a non, you know, at a home field. I, I, would, I don't know why they don't not use it a neutral field here, but uh, you know, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I think it's going to be a high scoring ball game also. Uh, uh, you know, I like Cincinnati here. Uh, I think that they just uh, they have a lot to play for. Um, 
you know, they're undefeated. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, I like Cincinnati a lot, and I like the over. Yeah, no, I thought Cincinnati actually kind of impressed me last weekend because they win the East Carolina, which, you know, who's having a really good season. Um, you know, American, you know, you never know what you're going to get crowd-wise. You can get Temple where you have 50 people there, and you have some other places where you can have really raucous crowds. East Carolina was raucous. That They had the energy. They came out fighting. They looked like they were going to give them a test, and Cincinnati defense has <laughs> smothered them. They, they, East Carolina has a good offense, uh, not as good as they've had in the past, but still good enough, and they could not get anything going, even though they got some opportunities and some short fields uh, early in that game. Um, yeah, I think East Carolina – or, sorry, Cincinnati is the play here. I think it's, it's so close. I just don't see the pressure being on them. I think they can sense that they're in the four and they're going to come out. It's got to be really easy to motivate those guys this week. And you get Houston, the cold weather in the north, I think that's a big advantage as well. Yeah, and uh, one, one other thing I, I, I want to say on this game too, uh, you know, on that total, the Sharps hit this. They hit the under uh, uh, hard. So, I mean, those splits, uh, when I checked them earlier today, uh, the under was getting 25% of the tickets written, but they're getting 81% of the money. Uh, the over is getting 75% of the tickets written and only 19% of the money. So that tells you right there, that's, that's the public in their little, you know, 20, 30 dollar parlays. They're all over that over and just a few Sharpies out there pounding this thing uh, on the under. Interesting. Yeah, you know, Carl, I've been critical of of Cincinnati a lot on this show. I, you know, what Jason said, I thought at times last week they looked okay. I thought, you know, I thought that other times they didn't. You know, they had so many weeks that they were right there. And, you know, I've mentioned against Navy, Tulane, Tulsa, you know, but I, I agree with what Carl said here. It is it's going to be extremely hard when they're, they're on their home field for Houston to go in there. I, I don't know temperature wise. I don't know about the, I'd have to look that up to see what it's going to be. Hey, since we just brought it up, what would I do here? And again, I might, I don't have a problem with Cincinnati being in. I think it, it'd be great to have Michigan in it, some different teams in it. Cincinnati being in, it would be wonderful. I don't have a problem, but since we just said about the teaser King, what I might do in this, and I do like the over, I like the overplay, what you guys said, but I would probably take, the Cougars up to 17 and take a chance with Houston in a teaser. That's and probably a pretty good play. That's a good play. Sounds good. So weather Hi, update from Cincinnati on Saturday, 50 degrees, which is pretty warm because it's been kind of chilly up here. So uh, sunshine too. So that's definitely going to help the Cougars. Now 50 for Houston's cold, but it's not as bad as it could have been. Yeah, I think the weather doesn't move in up here until Sunday because I'm getting out of town and it's coming, of course, when I'm going to be driving. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right, Carl, before we let you go, first, I want to say thank you so much for coming on. It's great having you on. You really add a, a super great flair to a show. Thank you, man. Enjoyed it. And uh, second, though, give us your final four of who you actually think is going to make the college football championship. Uh, okay. Uh, so, uh, uh, just my personal opinion, I think Georgia gets in whether they win or lose. I, I, I think Georgia wins this game against Alabama, but, uh, even if they lose, I think they fall from one to three. Uh, I don't think they fall out of the top four. So, uh, I like Georgia at one. Um, I like Michigan. I think Michigan's going to get in there and stay. Um, 
<clears throat> let's see. I like uh, I like Cincinnati. Uh, and and you know, I I don't know if uh, let's see where we're at. Let's see. Uh, Oklahoma is in that fifth spot. Oklahoma State. I'm, I mean, uh, you know, I I I think that if Georgia can take care of business, I think we'll see uh, uh, Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, and Oklahoma State. That's what I think. I love it. I was I was hoping you were going to say that, and uh, I'm a big Notre Dame basher, and I think after the Brian Kelly leaving, I don't know if they're even going to get in if if somebody else stumbles. I think they could actually put um, Ohio State or even Bama back in there at the four. Yeah. All right. It was great having you on. We'll let you get back to your business, your family time, and uh, we would love to have you back on the show anytime. All right, guys. Yeah, anything I can do for you, just let me know. Sure thing. We'll probably send you a T-shirt, too, on the way here, maybe. Uh, make sure it's like 4X. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on now. <laughs> uh, I'm not that big. You know, I, I mess around a lot. You know, I'm a, I, I'm a small – I mean, I, I can see my feet in a driver's license picture. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a very tall guy. Uh, you know, but I, I, I go about 230. I'm, I'm wearing double X's. <laughs> no problem. We'll hook you up. All right, man. Y'all take right, care. Have a great hey, thanks, night. Carl. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye. All right, boys. Well, that that is freaking awesome. That guy's a that guy is money. Yeah, that was enjoyable. That was, you know, that's, we've said this a lot of times with people coming on the show that you could just sit back and just kind of sit around and uh, listen to them talk and for hours and just, and learn and learn a lot. You probably could sit with him and learn a lot in a day. Yeah. I literally uh, do my gym time on Saturday just so I can get in the gym zone out and listen to his, his bit. It's, it's like nine 30, 10 o'clock. I think every, every Saturday morning he joins the Lombardi line and I love it. Yeah. It's a great show. I mean, great. They do a great, Michael does a great job and uh, I've listened to it. I probably have listened to him many times, um, but that show you know, uh, Saturday, Sunday is, is top notch. All right. So we got a couple more games to dig into. I don't have that much on these games. I have one I really want to talk about. I know Jay Kim had brought up. He loves the USC Cal game. If he wants to talk about that, let's hit, let's hit definitely two or three more. Uh, I'm going to start with the Oregon Utah game only because I actually really want to watch this. I love that they're going to have a rematch from the past two, three weeks when Utah actually absolutely pummeled them, but it wasn't Salt Lake City. Now they got the neutral site. They're in Vegas. Both teams should get a decent crowd there. I think the Utes will probably get a bigger crowd, which is shocking. So we have number 10, Oregon, 10 and two facing off number 17, Utah, nine and three over under 58. And the Utes are laying two and a half. I grabbed this line the other day. I want to say Monday morning. I grabbed Utah minus two and a half as well. I I heard it might drop some more. I heard a lot of money starting to come in on Oregon, which I'm not a fan of. I think Utah can just basically replay what they did last game and just run the ball down these guys' throats. I know they're going to use all the motivation for Oregon to get into the Rose Bowl and have a big draw and the redemption game against these guys. I just don't see it. I think Utah is going to win this game, and I, I think they're going to win it pretty easily again. Yeah, when we picked this, what was it, two weeks ago? I think we talked about this game. And one of the reasons I liked Oregon was because Utah's run defense had been kind of up and down all year. 
And uh, so a couple of weeks later, we come back to it. And that Utah run defense has solidified. Like there's been nobody getting any yardage on them at all, including Oregon, who got almost completely shut down in that game. Uh, I agree with you. I think Utah's in a much better frame of mind right now. You know, there's rumors about Joe Moorhead looking for other jobs, which, you know, Oregon has been able to avoid distraction because there was a potential Miami could come open, which could have took Crystal Ball. You know, the other jobs on the West Coast haven't really affected their staff. Um, you know, I just think Utah's defense is going to be the difference in this game and shutting down that Oregon running attack. And everything runs, especially with Joe Moorhead offenses, everything runs off the running game. And if they can't get going, that offense won't get going. Yeah, we called this game really well. We were all on Utah with this. Um, a, a stat I saw, a sticky note stat, Jason, sticky note. Sticky note. I saw it. The over has been the play in, in the series. It's been it's seven and two the last nine. Now, the only one was the, the last game this year they played each other. It did not go over because, you, you know, again, Oregon didn't really help the situation, only scoring seven points there. I agree with you. I, I, I would take Utah again in this. I really – I think they're just a more physical team. I kind of like what you guys said in this. I would probably, you know, it's hard to beat a team twice, but I, I think I would take Utah. Uh, I'm looking at 58. I think the over might not be a bad play in this. I think, I think there'll be some more points in this. I think Oregon will throw some points on this game. I might take play the over also. I might be a tad bit biased though, because I do have a futures ticket on Oregon to win the Pac-12, and I'm going to watch this game with much intent come late late Saturday. Will you hedge? Uh, you know what? I'll only hedge depending on how my early action goes. I probably won't hedge if I'm doing well that day and just let it go. It's not like it's a huge ticket. It is a nice little chunk that I'd like to get. Who knows? We'll see. Maybe I'll have a bunch of adult cocktails, and uh, I will hedge. <laughs> uh, another another game that actually hits home for us is uh, the ACC championship. So we have uh, number 15, Pitt, 10 and 2, number 16, Wake Forest, 10 and 2. Over under 71 and a half, and Wake is catching three. This is going to be a fun game. This is going to be a shootout. This is going to be what all the kids want to see up and down scoring should be. Now, that is a lot of points, though. Um, 71 and a half. And it's in the, the neutral site it's down in Charlotte, I believe. Mm -hmm. I think Pitt, I hate to say it, I think Pitt is actually going to win, cover, and I think this is going to go over. I know everybody's probably going to bang the under. All the sharps are probably going to hit the under because it is high. I think it goes over. I, I don't know how good these defenses are to get a stop on each other. Both quarterbacks are uh, seniors, I believe, and, and can just sling it all around. I think this is a Pitt win and over. Yeah, it is interesting. Now, I want to pat ourselves on the back. We liked both of these teams in the preseason. You know, we thought Wake would fall off late. They didn't. They actually they, they kept going, but we knew they were going to start hot. We talked about Pitt way too much for my liking as a Penn State fan, but we did have money on them. We did cash our futures, and we did predict that this was a team out of the ACC that may be a little surprising. Now, I didn't really think they'd get here, but who would have thought Clemson would turn into what they did? North Carolina turned into what they did and Pitt took the opportunity and ran with it. They've, you know, they've gone through the ACC's best, which Wake has really hasn't. I mean, I think they didn't, well, they've actually, they've all played the same opponents now that I think about it, but Pitt has the better defense in my opinion. And what Pitt needs to avoid is these games where they just kind of let off the gas. You know, they had UNC beat early, looked like they were going to just going to roll them. And then kind of just, you know, it, it kind of just, 
I don't know, it just kind of all settled down and UNC kind of just climbed back into that game and really without Mother Nature interfering in overtime, might have lost that one. Um, I like Pitt because I think the mesh point offense would wake. I think that Pitt defensive line, that front seven will be disruptive. It will disrupt that offense a little more than Wake's defense will disrupt Pitt. Um, really the only thing you have going for you if you're picking Wake is that Pitt has a habit of self-destructing in these spots historically across all sports. So will Pitt Pitt, I guess, is the question. And I think you said it really well there too, Jason, you know, Pitt's deep, I, both defenses aren't that great. <laughs> um, but I think Pitt's, like you said, Pitt's defense is better than Wake Forest. I think both quarterbacks will have big games. It is a lot of points. Like Maddie said, I do think it could get, it could get a little crazy in this one. I believe again, I have not checked te- like whether if there's any chance of rain or anything like that yet in this, but I agree. I would take Pitt. I think this is the year Pitt wins this. I think they have a slight better defense. I think the defense will make a couple more plays than the Wake defense will. So that with only being a minus three, I think Pitt's the play on this. Yeah, weather in Charlotte, sunny for the rest of the week in the 70s. So basically bull weather. Um, So you're going to have a fast track in Charlotte. So looks like they could go up and down here. All right, boys, I don't have anything else on my slate. Uh, I know you guys probably want to touch on a couple more games, so I'm going to defer over to you guys, and you guys fire away. Well, you mentioned USC at Cal, which is kind of the only game out here that's not a championship game from what I can see. Now, this is the makeup for um, a COVID postponed game. Cal was down to, like, 10 guys, I think, and they postponed this. A lot of people interested in this game because there's a lot, basically all the futures tickets need to get cashed. This game needs to be played for people who had USC one way or the other. I don't know if there's a lot of futures interest on Cal. Um, I'm just, it's curious to me, like that I would think Cal easily here at home, laying, getting, laying four, which seems way too low for a USC team that appears to have packed it in and is ready just to move on. Now you've got Lincoln, you got Lincoln in town, probably watching this game. Are people going to want to put out tape? Are these guys going to play to their recruiting pedigree? Because USC's guys are still better than Cal's guys. I haven't played like it, but is this going to motivate this team to kind of just go out there and show off? Because, you know, their best will beat Cal, but Cal is way more consistent. It's a good, solid defense. I, I, I don't think this will necessarily happen. I actually think Cal minus four is just a lock. I don't have much to say on that game. It's nothing I've dove into. I think Jason laid it out there. If you're inter- interested in that game, I think one that I think is an interesting match is, is Appy state 10 and two playing um, Louisiana Lafayette. Billy Napier is hired at Florida, but he is going to coach this game. But if I'm reading that correctly uh, right now, Appy state is minus three. Um, Lafayette beat them 41-13 in the season. I mean, why do you think, is it just because of motivation with the team, with the coach leaving, is why Appy is the favorite in this, guys? I, well, I, I actually think, I think they when they may have made this, they didn't realize Napier was going to stay, in my opinion. I, I'm going to bet Louisiana to, to win the outright. I think this is a money line play. I mean, Napier... It's not like he's he's pulling like a Brian Kelly and just up and jumping ship. I mean, his name has been thrown around for a while now. And he owes it to these kids actually being there for four years, and they played their heart out for him. I mean, that, that's a really good team for a small school. I think they go crazy. I actually think this is an easy money line bet. Maybe I'm the fool here, but, I mean, I think these kids are going to want to send him out a winner and, and, like, give him 
a great send off because he didn't he didn't pull some shenanigans to get out of town. I, I think I think this is an easy win. Yeah, this game was kind of surprised the first time um, when they played that Louisiana was ran through them so easily because you know these are probably the two best teams in this league. Um, you could throw Coastal in there, but Coastal has some injury issues, obviously, that held them back. Um, Appy State defense the last like five or six game though, is, especially against the run, has been phenomenal. Um, basically, since that Louisiana game where they got run over, um, and they kind of just got punched in the mouth right out of the gate and never could get back into it. I think they're the better team. Um, I think you know Napier kind of juggling the two jobs. That's been a distraction to pass for some guys. So it'd be interesting if they were fully focused on this game. Um, I don't think it's not quite as a senior as a team, I think, as the year before. So kind of get some younger guys who might be wondering where they can go. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to take Appy State, um, lay the points. I think that's justified. I think they're just the better team right now. Obviously, Louisiana was much better in midseason, but I think Appy State's played a lot better in the back half of the schedule. I give the guy a lot of credit for staying there because, you know, we've talked a lot and you've heard a lot this week about some of these coaches and how, you know, I brought up about the Brian Kelly situation and an assistant coach. I mean, to me, that's remarkable that an assistant coach did not even know he was leaving and he's still out there recruiting. And then he's God knows what he said. I mean, to the family, he probably promised the world to him and, um, and then, you know, has to, to walk out of the house and go, wow. Like he said, I kind of felt like a, piece of garbage in a way so i do give the guys some credit here what did you guys i mean i'm not trying to maybe i'm bashing brian kelly oh well but i loved when he had that 7 a.m meeting first i don't even know why you even go to that if you're a player i would be like forget about it i'm not going to it second is then there was reports that it was about two to three minutes and then he just walked out of the room I, I think it was four minutes and 11 seconds is what I actually heard, which is, I mean, I, I don't knock him for taking the job. LSU threw the, the new hot term, the bag at him. He's, I mean, you, you can't turn that down. You're going to a great program in a better conference. Always you're, you're, you're on the map and now you're just getting a truck pulling up to your door with money. In it. I, I don't knock him for that. I kind of knock on how he, he handled it here, but, it, it's kind of like a breakup with a girlfriend. Do you really want to drag this out? Uh, I mean, I, I get what he did. Just, just cut it off and, and walk away, which is smart. And on his part, it looks bad in the public side, but frankly, I don't care. You're good for him. No. And I said that I got in with uh, uh, somebody on Twitter that we follow and we talk to, and I think, um, you know, we've done some articles for his site and he was talking about how upset he was, about these guys just kind of like backstabbing these kids. And I kind of wrote, and I, I kind of said that the same thing, Matt, I said, you know, it's very hard when these guys are, are like you said, a truck coming up and just dumping money at them. And it's these college coaches. I mean, is this news that they're used car salesmen and they're going to promise a lot of things. And sometimes they don't deliver these things. And now, and I think Jason kind of agreed with me on this. And I think I wrote, the boys, all this, I said, you know, these college kids, they come one year and then they're gone. They transfer. They're not very loyal. And now they're making a ton of money. So to me, it's a business now. And I said to the guy, you know, you talk about like these kids need role models. Yeah, I get that a little bit, but that's more elementary, middle school, high school. These kids now are 18, 19, 20 year old. They're, they're adults and they, they, this is a business and they're seeing it now. And it is, I mean, it's tough when you, you, you've been there maybe for a couple of years, but 
to me, it's a business. I think it's very hard too. I do again tip my hat to Billy Napier staying there and coaching this last game, but I, I'm, I'm the same way. I don't blame these guys in a way. Yeah, and I think when you look at these programs too, you know, there's only a handful of players who have that cachet that they can leave, you know, and they're really affected. For the most part, these rosters, these guys aren't going anywhere. And the, the relationship they really have is with their position coach, and occasionally they run into the head coach. So as long as that guy's there, they're, they're feeling pretty good. Now, that's really where things get disrupted is when these staffs get turned over here in the next couple of weeks. And that's where, um, you know, the lower parts of your roster, they don't have the flexibility. So I can understand those guys being wrong. But, you know, for most of these institutions, like there's a good chance that you weren't going to have the same coach at the beginning of your uh, scholarship tenure as it was at the end. I mean, that's the way it goes now. I mean, you know, for the most part, they turn over fairly quickly. Um yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting that you know, no one knew a Kelly. That really lends to me that, you know, he put a number on a piece of paper and he got it approved and kind of like had his own like surprise say, oh, OK, let's do this, you know, kind of thing. Um, you know, it, it just, you hear a lot of banter about why he would have left, about, um, you know, recruiting academic standards at Notre Dame and then, you know, the desire of the school to include those athletes in the student body and normal student life, you know, you know, he knew that when he took the Notre Dame job, you know, there's the prestige that comes with it. You know, maybe he got a little tired, but he's also just been there a long time. And I don't think it's a situation where he felt like he was, you know, he couldn't win there because they've been fairly close. They've been building up um, and they're recruiting it, you know, as well as anyone they're on TV every single week. They have their own channel, you know, so it is it basically came down to money and probably having, you know, you know, a little more easier, recruiting standards than anywhere else but not, i don't really think that's a huge factor i really just think it came down to like holy cow i'm going in the sec i've got probably the best talent pool outside of bama let's give us a go talk about irony too just across the wire new Notre dame head football coach defensive coordinator marcus freeman so they got their guy i mean i mean no, no one's really going to know too much about him other than he is their dc but you're going to have to read up about him because I don't know that much about him. So they're, they're not going to make too big of a splash, it seems. So he was at Cincy, and he was considered a head coaching candidate there and made you know not quite a lateral move, probably a little bit of a promotion to go be the D.C. at Notre Dame. But people were surprised he stuck around under Fickle as long as he did. So I'm not surprised that Notre Dame promoted him here. Apparently, he's got the locker rooms here. Um, it's going to let them keep a lot of their staff intact. I think Tommy Reese is also staying and he's going to run the yes. offense and he's going to have autonomy over that offense as opposed to having to defer to Kelly on some things. So, you know, for the most part, they're keeping the whole thing together um, yeah. at Notre Dame. You got the good recruiters. You know, these coaches are both excellent coordinators, so they're fine. You know, I don't think anyone went to Notre Dame to play for Brian Kelly. I think they went to go play for the Golden Dome. Uh, you know, if you've ever been there, it's definitely a special place. You definitely get all the feels when you go there. I went to watch Penn State play there about a decade ago, um, and it lives up to the hype. So it's an easy place to recruit to. And I think Notre Dame will be perfectly fine. I mean, they're clearly building something up. This was a down year for them. I think they had three returning starters. They'll keep it going. As long as they can get to find a quarterback, which is crucial for college football, they'll be in it. All right, boys, I don't have much else. Um, you guys want to touch on anything else before we wrap it up? So we're not going to talk about the uh, Mountain West game, Utah State, San Diego State. At the under. <laughs> <laughs> if it's San Diego State, you're looking at the under. There's no doubt yeah. about it. Um, yeah. So I don't think I don't think Utah State is the second best team in this league. I think they got through it through tiebreakers, right? I would probably I think 
Did they beat Air Force? Or did Air Force beat them? It was such a round robin there at the end between like Nevada, Utah State, Air Force, um, and everybody. I forget who beat who and who needed who to lose last week, but San Diego State impressed me last week. I thought they were going to lose that game. Um, their offense showed up. Their defense shows up every week, you know, and obviously everybody knows about the punter now. Um, it's a huge advantage, especially I think especially in a game like this, um, to have a defense and to kick special teams on your side. And plus Utah State, I think Bonner, the quarterback, has been a little dinged up. So they haven't been quite as good as they have been. So I would definitely take San Diego State here. Yeah, they actually they actually did beat Air Force uh, week three, 49-45. I, I, would, I would take San Diego State. All right. I think that's going to be it for tonight for us. Uh, give us a listen. Hit us up with your college football ideas, questions, NFL ideas, anything. We'll, we'll, we'll get back to you. We'll hit on it. And give uh, our special guest, Carl Jick Jack Johnson, a follow on Twitter. Reach out to him, man. He's really knowledgeable and really friendly. He'll get back to you. Uh, that's it for me, boys. Uh, we've got a lot more coming up. Do an NFL show later this week. Have a great night and bang your bookies. Thanks for listening to the Notebook Wagering Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any episodes and be sure to follow at Notebook Wagering. Until next time.